Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, two, one. Apropos of nothing, it's Fragments of Silicon. <laughs> Uh, welcome to another installment of Fragments of Silicon. Um, <laughs> yeah, so good news. Mac is with us this week. Hooray! <laughs> yes. Uh, after feeling like the living death last week. Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you, uh, I'm sure you'll tell us all about it. But um, aside from Mac, we've got, well, the regular crew, like Ogre. Frog. <laughs> <laughs> Gallix. I resent the implication that I'm regular. Any fan? I'm quasi-tangible. And Twilight. I'm arguably the only normal one here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I can't argue with that. <laughs> I'm like, anyway, um, so let's get to the news. Max, since you weren't here last week, why don't we start with you? Well, as you guys saw on the channel last night, I was giving the middle finger to Dr. Cossack because I have completed all eight Robot Masters of Mega Man 4. Yay! Yay. And then I promptly got spanked by the drill robot in the first round of Dr. Cossack's castle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's how this goes. Like <laughs> It says, it says use, use, the, use the Ringman weapon. And I'm like, ah, this will be like cake. And I'm like, I got him down to like one quarter of his energy. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> well, that's okay. I made it to the barrier door, so everything will be just peachy. Why am I at the middle of the level? <laughs> so that was that was pretty much my evening last night. Uh, we've got uh, the second. We are in production, not pre-production, actual physical production on episode two of Starship Moonhawk, the animated series. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that because we're actually going to step up our animation game and introduce seven minutes of footage that does not exist in comic form. We're pretty excited about that. So there is a portion of the story that will involve the entire main cast that isn't in the episode. That isn't in the comic version of the episode. So... Um, we're going to make the teaser act and the, and the new opening credits because uh, we, we brought on Morgan Larrabee to replace Krona Yu as uh, Dr. Heather Lopez. I can't even begin to explain what happened there, but uh, it seems like every time we have an absolutely perfect actor for a role, uh, I end up taking the part and getting voice modulated. I mean, we end up recasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story, by the way. 
I won't get into, but uh, yeah, so we've got that going on, and what else? Is there any game additional gaming news? I so much want to get a Switch so that way I can play Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because I just found out that it is not just a sequel, but the flip side of the story of the original game. Hmm. Yeah, there's some spoilers I won't get into, but it is basically it is basically Xenoblade Chronicles the other half. And it was Earth all along? What? <laughs> God damn it, Ogre. Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh my god, I was wrong. <laughs> well, let's just say Klaus makes another appearance in this game. Uh-huh. And uh, leave it. Those of you in the know know, and those of you who are not in the know, well, you'll find out. <laughs> Santa Claus is in this? Yes. Mm, different Klaus. Um, the architect, basically. Uh, but yeah, so pretty pretty neat stuff. But I, I, yeah, it's like I'm trying to get art commissions going so that way I can actually afford to buy a Switch and actually, you know, pay my bills and my phone. Wait, wait, hold so, on. You want to pay bills? What madness is this? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yep, I'm gonna, I'll cut it short so that way everybody gets their usual amount of time. I don't want to, I don't want to take over the whole show. But, uh, but yeah, those are my three big things right now. <laughs> Indeed. All right, um, Ogre, why don't you go? Well, thanks to Petty and his suggestions, I have invested into a power line network adapter, Ooh. which is basically an Ethernet just that goes through the power lines. Mm. And it is working perfectly so far. Those well, are usually you, pretty stable. Yeah, yep. it depends how old your wiring is. Like, right. <laughs> we'll go into this in mind, but I probably wouldn't be able to use a power line adapter. We'll put it at that. Yeah, yeah. From what I've seen, it'd probably be a bad idea. <laughs> it's just it's just be playing fire. Talking Heads is burning down the house and going like, "Well, that feels appropriate." Pretty fine. Had a minor fire. But, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's working out perfectly fine. Also takes me off the Wi-Fi, so I'm not sucking that all up. And I could tell it went perfectly fine because we beat the train in the first day of the reset. <laughs> Took the whole fucking two hours, but we did it. Fucking one percent wipes. Uh, <laughs> that's the story of our group, though, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we started recording again at Naka's. He's most... They're moved in. They're settled for now. They're still unpacking stuff because that's what moving gets you is unpacking stuff for a month. Uh, oh, they, a they month got, is very, very optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was going to say a couple months, but... Uh... They have internet. They got it Monday, which they were desperately needing, because <laughs> I stopped by the other day, and I could have sworn Barry was going to have those kind of, like, meth addict uh, addiction withdrawal moments where she just scratches her neck and goes, like, I need it bad, man. <laughs> Yo, <Yeah, well, laughs> can I go home with you? I need some internets, man. I need the internet. Uh, so, yeah, we're recording again. Probably not going to see a video tonight. May see a Lost Vikings tomorrow. 
we're going to finish up Lost Vikings tomorrow. We're actually almost done with the game. Uh, let's see. So we got other stuff to work on here soon, which should be fun. Not so and, not. <laughs> well, he's also got to get back to his single player stuff. And to compound Max thing, just to make it more uh -oh. funny, is uh, this little limerick I came up. Guess what, bitches? Ogre's got a switch. Is damn, didn't work out as well. But yeah, no, I have a Nintendo Switch. That's nothing like a limerick. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, Golik's eyes start twitching. <laughs> there once was a lady from Venus. Wait. <laughs> but yeah, I have a Nintendo Switch now. Hooray! And of course, the first thing, the first game I got for it. I try to take it out here dramatically so if anybody can see it. Dragon Quest Builders. You know we can't see that, right? I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> That's like me saying my name has air quotes around it and then making air quotes with my finger while on the radio. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> but yep, now I got me a Switch. One day I'll have one. And it, <laughs> and it is quite fun. I spent... Oh my god. Almost all of Monday playing Dragon Quest Builders. <sighs> Don't worry, guys. I've got, I've got, I've got all at, manner of. I woke up I'll around start. nine or so, started playing about half hour later, and then next thing I know, it was like ten thirty, and I was like, "Oh my god, when did this happen?" <laughs> I, I was just gonna say I have about five different kinds of skin lotion for ogre to rub it in with on you. <laughs> I know, that's what made it funnier. I actually, when you said that, I was like, oh, he's going to hate my news. <laughs> but, yep, that's, that's why I'm also hoping to see something from Dragon Quest XI, because I want a goddamn Switch version, too. I'm buying all three versions. I don't even well have done. a PS4, and I'm buying that version. Uh, I'm but, not sure what that says. Other than I just... I want Dragon Quest to do well, all right. It's a lot better than the Tales of series and sling it at Mac more. <laughs> and really? I sprint to the bunker before the new goes good, off. Good thing, good thing, good thing we're recording this so I can share that with Namco next time they're on the show. <laughs> That's next week. Oh yay! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I need to delete a recording. Well, it's important to remember that. Um, we need to start earlier for them because, you know, he doesn't want to take the train. Ogre will be like, Ogre will be like, yeah, and I really love the Tales series, and I'll be playing it back, and he goes, yeah, not to rub it in with Mac, but I hate the Tales series. <laughs> hey, I like the Dragon Ball series, and they're doing good with that, so. Hey, doubly amusing when we had Square Enix on yesterday. <laughs> I know, but I kind of wanted to keep it a surprise with everything today. I've actually had it for most of the past three days or so. So uh, I guess the Dragon Quest Builder spell got to you. Well, it's kind of a late day present for me, so. Got you. But yeah, that's pretty much it for my news. All right, Teddy Pan, you're up. Oh boy! So apparently. Fire. Yeah, my house is trying to fucking burn itself down. 
<laughs> now, now, not the whole house, just the surge protector. Yeah, just the you know, electrical. the thing that's supposed to protect you. Yeah, the thing that's supposed to protect you against electrical fire. <laughs> yeah, like for the past few days in that room where we had that surge protector, and it smelled kind of funny. It's like, oh, the cat must have rubbed up against the space heater, and there's a little bit of their hair stuck in it or something. Nope. Fucking surge protector melted. The um, shelving it or the cabinetry it was attached to is a little charred. So yeah, that was fun. I feel like it did its job if it overheated and took the whole thing. Well, no. The lucky thing is we didn't skimp out on that surge protector, and it's one of the ones where the plastic is also fire retardant. If it was one of those cheaper ones, I probably wouldn't have a house right now. That's concerning. Yeah. Indeed. Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't have fun finding that himself. So. Yeah. Yeah, just just that realization that if we would have got the cheaper fire extinguisher, we'd probably be homeless at best. Um. Aside from that. Um, I got the rest of my, um, information in to hopefully deal with the stuff about disability, which is going to be fun. Uh, not looking forward to that, but life goes on. Um, and aside from that, not much is going on. Just kind of living and hoping my house doesn't burn itself down, apparently. Alright, um, Galix. I'm still trying to figure out limericks, damn it. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought the snow had consumed you. <laughs> well, the snow is just... it ha There hasn't been much accumulation yet, but it's supposed to snow, like, tonight and, like, maybe up to... between eight inches and a foot and a half overnight. And then into the tomorrow, so... Uh, and then apparently there's a couple more coming up, so I'm not looking forward to that. My work's already closed for tomorrow, and I was really hoping to go out tomorrow after work to get to a uh, second pre-release event for the trading card game I play, but uh, I'm not even certain if they'll be open, and if they are, it's reasonably unlikely that I'll be able to go. <laughs> but if I can't, then at least presuming I still have internet, which... It's been hasn't been too bad lately. Then it'll be nice if I can maybe cover the Nintendo Direct thing uh, at the time instead of like later, like I usually do. So, uh, yeah, that's um, I've been really tired this week, and I don't know why. <laughs> Iron helps you play. Just... Uh, yeah, I've picked up, uh, I'm look uh, there's a Splatoon 2 Splatfest this weekend, which, uh, I'll be doing, and, uh, there's a bunch of games I'm trying not to spend too much money on, especially since Kirby comes out in two weeks, and I want that. Oh, right, Kirby week, is yeah. coming. But, yeah, a bunch of stuff that looks good, and, uh, still need to find time to play the game for this week, which is a rather long visual novel, so... That's pretty much it. Sorry, I'm kind of out of it. Noted. All right, um, Twilight, you're up. 
Well, um, yesterday at work, I thought I lost my keys to my car. As it turned out, I hadn't quite. To explain that, uh, basically, Monday, I got the new rain jacket from my cousin in Seattle in the mail and wore the jacket to work um, yesterday. It was in the other pocket. Not quite. Yeah, when I discovered I, I lost my keys um, um, during the beginning of, of, um, of our 15-minute break, well, my 15-minute break, um, it turns out that somebody had another jacket, the same brand, same color, pattern, everything. Ah. <laughs> yeah, we bring our jackets on the same coat rack, and um, I have mistaken somebody else's jacket for mine, and because I had uh, uh, taken a, <clears throat> had a granola bar that I brought in with me as well for break, so I don't have to buy anything from work, and um, I'm going to get the granola bar, and it was in the same pocket as my keys, and yeah, got mixed up with somebody else's, and I still don't know who it belongs to because it's still right in the same spot as when I left yesterday evening. So I'm assuming somebody left it behind. Anyway, um, besides that, um, I went and seen Black Panther on Saturday. Fairly enjoyable movie. And, um, and playing the visual novel that we're going to be talking about tonight. And um, that's about it for me. All right. Uh, I guess it's my go. I'll, not much in the way of like news this week. I mean, it's actually been fairly cold down here. Um, like the last vestiges of winter for this area. You know, cold enough to turn on the heater. You know, but I don't have to deal with snow, so... Uh, let's see, outside of that, yeah, just not much happened this week for me. Um, we have some show announcements, but that can wait until, uh, at the bottom, you know, we end everything. So, with all that in mind, merrily we shall roll along to the interview portion of the broadcast. This week, joining us once again is John Pickett of Manga Gamer. Hello, hello. Good to be back. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Always good to have you. Right, so we're in a bit of a conundrum here. Um, This is a thing that just happened, I don't know, an hour. It just happened, uh, like, very recently. So the game we're talking about, A Kiss for the Petals, Maidens of uh, Michael... Uh, isn't available on Steam anymore. Right. Yeah. And well, it's more accurate to say at time of recording. It could be up. Yeah, yeah at time of recording. Yeah. You know, that I think this development's been barely an hour ago, and we're already looking into it to try and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... The insight into that is um, limited at best. Yeah, we don't have a ton yeah. of information because it happened so soon. And um, what's yeah. going, and the resolution's kind of go, it's kind of above um, what John covers. So, well, yeah, it's 
we we don't have any information yet, so there's not. All I can really say is that we're looking into resolving it, and whatever we have to do to resolve it, we'll find we'll find a way. I'm sure. So, Indeed. everyone so. listening will probably still be able to play the game, and even if mm. I'm sure it's going to come back to Steam, but. In worst case scenario, the game is still available on our website, moderngamer.com. Everyone can, can still get their copy there and enjoy the game there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So before we dig in, uh, dig into this particular title, um, we have to zoom out and cover, <laughs> well, the larger A Kiss for the Petals franchise, because this is quite the franchise. And that actually matters for this game, too, because it brings back all the couples from the previous Dojin works. Right. This is um, this is one of, uh, like, a, a few gathering titles. Um, that and Snow White's Nights has, like, multiple couples in it. But, yeah. yeah. So for the uninitiated, uh, A Kiss for the Petals is... Uh, at least one of the um, quintessential Yuri visual novel titles. Yeah, it was originally started as a series of Dojin games, mm-hmm. and like through their popularity and through how well they performed and how well they sold, the Dojin Circle was actually able to go professional. And uh, they opened up their sort of professional studio, uh, Yurin Yurin, and that's the, the studio name that they created uh, this game, Maidens of Michael, under. And so that's why it sort of, it brings together all the couples, and it also introduces a new couple, which we sort of, we sort of introduced already by releasing uh, Remembering How We Met. Right. And... <laughs> I'll also note, this is just the main branch of the franchise. There are, like, two branches of... There's the main... What they call the main branch, and then there's the new generation games. And then there's all yeah. the side... And then there's some side story stuff. Like, yeah, New Generations is available uh, on our site as well. We were pretty happy to be able to bring that over, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, the, like, so how did you first get involved with the uh, Kiss for the Petals franchise here? Uh, it was, it was a sort of, it's an interesting story because we were, I believe, if I remember right, we were approached by uh, one of the the groups that were working on the the fan translations for the original series, and so after they approached us. Um, we went to the the studio, and the studio was actually sort of already knew of them, even if, like, they knew of them to an extent, uh, and there had been sort of, I think there had actually been, like, some mentions in radio casts or one of those side things before, so it was actually, so especially when we were able to tell them, like, we were going to be working with the people that had originally uh, translated and worked on the, the Dojin titles, they were pretty excited to work with us and work with them and be able to release these games in an official capacity. Uh, and our relations with them has been pretty smooth since then. Uh, it's usually more of a 
making sure to it's usually more of just arranging schedules and timelines than anything else makes sense and um um how did you like pick the uh particular visual novels you've released because um like out of the main series we got 16 titles yeah so the obviously the title the series is well known for most people but if we're doing but since we're doing an official release we needed to think about okay what about these people who might not what about new fans who might not necessarily know about the series because they aren't too familiar with the fan translation scene and the extra sort of hassles that have to go with that so that sort of logic and reasoning was part of why we decided to start with the the title remembering how we met because even though even though that particular title was released after Maidens of Michael, it's a prequel to Maidens of Michael, and it introduces the and it tells the story of how the new couple that's in Maidens of Michael uh, comes together and becomes a couple. And so we thought that that so of the official title of the official professional titles that the studio has developed we felt that that would be probably the best introduction to the series for people who have never played any kind of a kiss to the pedals games before. Um, and then from there, we, we wanted to continue with the, the, a kiss for, we wanted to continue with the a kiss for the pedals series. And um, so again, we we're trying to think about these people that are new to the series, new to the, the genre and that was part of why we chose to do new generations first was because that is even though new generations is like you said a, a game where all the couples come together in new generations every couple in new generations is brand new you don't have to have played any of the dojin games or any of the previous kiss for the pedal series to become familiar with and enjoy the characters that were introduced in that particular release in the series. And so now that we've introduced people to the A Kiss for the Petal series and given them a taste for like, okay, this is what the the sort of shorter one couples games are like. This is what a the larger A Kiss for the Petal series is like. Now that we've done that introduction, we felt it was time to go back and work on this title Maidens of Michael that actually brings the old Dojin games together and lets the the old fans that have known about A Kiss for the Petals and perhaps played the other games before enjoy this title where they're all come together since this has not been released in English before. Well, how many of the uh, older Dojin uh, titles got uh, fan translated? Uh, I don't know the exact number because I'm not sure how many there are in total, but I believe most of them were. I know, I know for a fact that at least every couple in Maidens of Michael, uh, their particular game was fan translated. Hmm. Like, uh, it's like, well, looking at Wikipedia, it's 
apparently Maiden's and Michael is game 11 in the series. <laughs> I don't know how accurate that is, but like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like I can see why um, you kind of maneuvered around that. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that is a, you know, that, that is a lot of releases. Right. And most of those releases are also, like I said, Dojin titles before mm -hmm. the studio was a professional company. So there's, so that makes, that adds sort of its own challenges if we were to ever try and do those. Um. Can you elaborate on that? Like, it's, um, it's just because with uh, when you're releasing a Dojin title, I so understand. I don't know the specifics of how much the studio has done this, but a lot of Dojin releases are not considered commercial releases. Mm -hmm. And so if there's any sort of, like, if you look around online, there's a lot of things like fonts or sounds or things like that that are usually free to use as long as it's not a commercial release. And so a lot of Dojin, a lot of Dojin companies in, like, and I'm speaking in a general terms here, right. will utilize those sort of assets, which, and if they do use those assets, that's usually fine for them. But then when it becomes a commercial release, that becomes not fine. Hmm. So if we were to do any of the Dojin series in Maidens of Michael, we would have to we would have to work with the studio and look at each game to determine if any of that was done. I see. Like, like yeah, that 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 sounds like a bit of a you know, mountain of a hurdle. Yeah. Considered. I mean, well, was Maidens of Michael like their first release as a professional company? Yes. Hmm. But on the other side of the coin, the ones that came after it would be, uh, would be fair play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're definitely, we'll definitely probably be looking at those as we continue working with the series. Definitely, definitely, because well, we haven't really gotten into it. The one that followed, like, uh, number 12, Lovers of the Altai uh, Altair, or however you pronounce that, is the uh, direct Atelier? sequel. Yeah. yeah uh, that's the direct sequel to Maidens of Michael. Mm hmm Once again, this is according to Wikipedia. It's got, the, like, the plot synopsis here and mentions, you know, after the best couples events and all that stuff, but um, you know, getting into Maidens of Michael uh, itself, um, what is the conceit of this um, particular chapter in this series? So the the idea for the the concept of the chapter for Maidens of Michael is that um, all these students of uh, Saint Michael's Academy. I, they're, they come together and they vote on who they think are the best couples of the school. And those, the people that are sort of elected by that vote uh, become sort of the, the volunteers on the council for the event committee. And is this an all-girls school or is it just a coincidence? This is an all-girls school. Okay, it's I thought so. Yeah. 
It's an all-girls school, and you're gonna be surprised when you hear this. It's a Catholic girls' school. <laughs> Not that surprised. That is a pretty common I'm thing. For... I'm being yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. Like a Catholic girls' school is <laughs> most common um, settings in Yuri. <laughs> but yeah, so those those the people that are elected best couple are join become part of the event committee, and it's their job to plan out the the school's various events like the Christmas event, the Valentine's Day event. And so that's sort of where a lot of the drama and the interaction between the different couples happens is they're trying to plan like what would be good things to do for Christmas or for Valentine's Day to make uh, things exciting for the school and help, you know, all of the all help all the girls at the school enjoy these romantic events. And this is, uh, is this a uh, choose your own adventure style kind of visual novel or is it uh, purely um, character or narrative driven uh, visual novel? Uh, I would say it's definitely more character driven. The, the couples in A Kiss for the Petals are very much set couples. Uh, none of the couples ever really betray each other, and they're usually pretty set. Like, they have they have their partner, and that is who they stick with. So right. you're not... It's not like you're going to see... Even though the couples are interacting with each other, it's not like you're really going to see the couples getting in bed with each other. <laughs> They stick to their partner. Well, I mean, on that subject, um, it's worth noting that this series did start out as an adult's um, visual novel series. Yes, and New Generations and Maidens of Michael both feature adult content as well. Uh, obviously, that's not on the Steam version of those titles but you can get that on our website. So I suppose the question that beckons is, um, what was trimmed for the Steam release? Uh, the sex scenes between the couples. Uh, the various couples each have a lot of different scenes of their own in Maidens of Michael, so you get to see sort of an expanded story for each couple from the previous uh, Kiss for the Petals games. And, of course, part of that extended story includes them celebrating their romance. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> ah, the peanut gallery. Like, no, no, no need to make this truly lascivious. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> you should have been here for our mutiny episode. <laughs> oh. Like, <laughs> just, wait, just wait until we get in, uh, onto the game that uh, John's been working on. Oh, for the past couple of times we've had him on. Oh, uh, yeah. Probably still working on that for another couple of months. Yeah, I basically, I basically said I wasn't going to lead with this, but uh, our, our company is going to foray with a, a linear uh, a, a linear um, visual novel, so there's, there's no branching storylines. It just goes straight through the comic storylines, so it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. 
So yeah. So getting back to these particular scenes, uh, have they been removed entirely from the Steam release, or is there any particular um, important elements that are in them? Um, it's like again, the Kiss for the Pedal series is still very much enjoyable, even without them. It's the the Kiss for the Pedal series has always been very character focused, very much focused on celebrating the like the cute like the the happiness and the emotional connection between the couples within it and so you still get a lot of that even through like the normal scenes of them interacting with one another and the the adult scenes sort of just more enhance that um yeah because if there's a lot of people have talked will talk about how a lot of the adult scenes in a Kiss of the Pedal series are still very vanilla for girl on girl, and that's sort of a distinct choice by the developers. They didn't want they wanted to create a series of Yuri games that doesn't have to rely on things like toys or magic elements to give someone body parts girls don't have in order for them to you know enjoy a proper relationship between two girls Mm. and so there's a lot of like in the adult scenes there's a lot of focus on that idea of them enjoying each other's bodies as they are and enjoying the intimacy between the couples and so the adult scenes definitely, like I said, the adult scenes enhance those aspects of the relationships and the character development, but you can still get a lot of the relationship and the character development just through the scenes of them uh, living their life together. And that's still, and even those scenes are also still a core part of the series and of Maidens of Michael as well. That's about what I expected. Um, the entire um, visual novel has a very uh, warm and fuzzy feeling um, aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's wholesome, you know, for Born. But it really is. <laughs> it's got a, it's got a, a plot, and stuff actually happens that isn't even sex related. <laughs> I wouldn't say it has a plot, like. It, this is much more about its characters. No. Yeah, I'd say it's, that, it's kind of similar more to like slice of life stories mm-hmm. than like some epic con- world conquering thing. Yeah, if you want epic world conquering, we have fun bag fantasy coming. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Like, uh, yeah, and yeah, it's fun bag fantasy side boob story. Yes, that is releasing at the end of this month. It is the sequel to the original, where it's now the the ruler is dealing with all the troubles of, like, once you're king, holding the throne is hard. Mm-hmm. Especially when your queen is a succubus, and several nations are still rather staunt in their religion. <laughs> and, I can don't, always be. and don't want to accept this country where sex is good. <laughs> like... Huh, that so is is this pure visual novel or is there like a strategy game in here as well? 
Um, the original Funbag Fantasy had a lot of choices that would help uh, determine the the plot and the routing. Um, Funbag Fantasy side booth story uh, continues that theme where a lot of the choices will determine uh, like how you resolve some of the situations with the the different nations and their plots against you. And so you might end at a different point based on your choices, and you might end with uh, some of the different heroines based on those choices. But it's not... It's not something like Total War. You're not out leading armies or anything like that. Gotcha. Like, uh... Yeah, if you're looking for more gameplay, uh, I think since the last time we spoke, uh, back in January, we did release uh, The Spirit Master of Returnia, and that's an actual adult RPG where you delve into dungeons and fight monsters and have a bunch of heroines that are completely customizable and a ton of adult scenes with the heroines and the monsters and you. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at screenshots right now. The, yeah, this is definitely a thing that we could not show. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. We like having our Twitch account, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, I see tentacles, and the tentacles are doing what you think they are doing. Oh, God. <laughs> I would say I need an adult, but there are far too many in this call. <laughs> Define adult. Someone over the age of 21. I'm like, I think that's everyone here, including yourself. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it's like, here, here's you, and there's the joke. <laughs> I, that was my counter joke. I... <laughs> we shut him up! <laughs> we win! <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. But yeah, this definitely has um, visual novel esque scenes in it, but it's a uh, 3D dungeon RPG. Mm hmm. Like, so, how does this all work? With the, the 3D dungeon RPG? Mm hmm. Um, it's. It works like you would expect. Uh, you face the the visual novel scenes are sort of where the story plot advances, mm -hmm. and then you end up at certain points. You go into the dungeon to like explore the dungeon, try and defeat the monsters and the bosses, acquire the different like equipment and loot and artifacts that you can use to uh, customize your heroines and give them a boost so that they can fight more monsters and beat more monsters. And ultimately, you're trying to sort of get to the to the bottom of the dungeon and beat the final boss and save the world from the the demon realm. Sounds yeah, that sounds um, pretty standard dungeon crawler fare, just you know, mm -hmm. with tentacles, like more tentacles than usual. <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, and that can see, be a quote also... they're gonna put on the side of the box. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> uh, and we also got Fallen uh, Mankina in the City of Ruins. Yes. Like uh, that is uh, that's a third-party title we released. It's uh, an original English game that was wow. developed and that we've uh, recently started carrying. Yeah, and uh, this looks like a. JRPG of sorts. 
Yeah, that's how they, they've designed it. It's very much uh, sort of JRPG. It also has adult scenes in it and a couple stats related to that. Mm-hmm. I, once again, I can... Uh, you do provide such uh, graphic uh, screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Jeez. Like, uh, this one I'm looking at... I wonder if I can even describe it. It will be safe. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. like I can see the guy's member inside, uh, you know, the genitalia. Fun times. Like, You're so clinical, Adam. <laughs> uh, sometimes I have to be. <laughs> it's it's okay. You can say he's got his junk in her trunk on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Fine. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a cro- I, I know what he's talking about. It's a cross section that's showing his junk in her trunk. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you actually see it inside, like an yeah, X. They call yeah, it's a called X-ray vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The last visual novel it's we covered. So you can really see the money shot. Yeah, I. <laughs> that is literal. Well then, uh-huh. the, like I said, the last game we uh, visual novel we covered had that (laughs) and and there's also the title you've been working on that i can never remember on like the maggots maggot baits yeah maggot bait like yeah so how's um development going on that particular um title uh i'm still working on that uh i'm a good part of the way through the the first main route in it um but here lately, I've sort of been sidetracked because I've been doing a lot of the preparation uh, for the Kickstarter that we're launching next Tuesday, the 13th. Mm. Nice segue. Yeah, the uh, the Kickstarter that we're working on, uh, Kotopokuru, the, the Kickstarter page is up right now so that we can get feedback from fans and viewers and sort of improve the page before it goes live next week. Uh, we've already made a couple of changes in response to things people have brought up and suggested. But and yeah. No, go ahead. What, what has been the feedback? Uh, you know, or rather, what did you change in response to that? Uh, kind of surprisingly... We got a lot of feedback asking for it to be an adult game. So now we're now we're trying to look at what we can do there. Um, we also had people asking uh, about a dual language release for the game. Um, and so we took a look at what we'd be able to do. And with the the base stretch goal, that's not going to be possible. But sort of our first stretch goal is upgrading the engine so that we can support Mac and Linux through. We're going to use the Unity engine if we meet that stretch goal. And if we get to that point, making it a dual language release isn't going to be too difficult. So in response to feedback, we decided to add that as another aspect of the first stretch goal. And what are the other stretch goals? So the the first stretch goal we have is the multi-platform support, and then the the next stretch goal that we really want to hit is getting full voice acting for the game. We're currently looking at and approaching several 
uh, famous Japanese voice actresses to play the roles of the three main heroines. And we really want to hit that stretch goal so we can get their uh, voices recorded and out of the game and bring that extra life to the the little fairies, the Kotopokuro. Uh Once we have voice acting, the next two stretch goals expand upon the story. Uh, so right now, the the story of Kotopokuro focuses on the the main heroine uh, Ashirera, and the she throughout the story she is supported by her two best friends uh, Chirta and Haruante. And so, with the the first stretch goal after voice acting, we're going to uh, delve into Chirta a bit more with. Uh, sort of a bonus story that's going to be set after the main story of Kuropokuro and focus on her and her past and her goals and what she's trying to get out of life now that she has left her village and moved to the human world. Um, and after after we meet the stretch goal for her story, uh, the next stretch goal is adding a story for Haruante and Likewise, that will delve into her, her past, and also more about the Kuropokuro society and what it actually means for about the fact that these three have left their village, um, breaking the rules that say the Kuropokuro can't leave in order to come to the human world. Um, and after we get the story expansions, the next idea we have for stretch goals is to implement uh, live 2D animation. So for those not necessarily familiar with what that means, it's the, the type of sprite animation that you see in uh, games like Nekopara, where the sprites are very fluid, constantly moving, and it's they're almost, they're not quite 3D models, but they almost are, and they move very fluidly like a 3D model, but with almost more detail and more fluidity because it's still only a sprite and not really moving in a 3D world. Like, and um, what is your like, what what is your funding goal here? Uh, the base goal that we're looking for is thirty thousand. That will be enough to uh, see the game to completion, pay for all the art, the rewards, and everything, all of that. Uh, the first stretch goal, the multi-language support, is at 40,000. Uh, voice acting moves up to 80,000. And then the stretch goals go on from there. And is this going to be a 30-day campaign? Uh, we are looking at actually running it as a 21-day campaign. One day? Hmm. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be live for three weeks. Is there any particular reason why you're only doing three weeks? Uh, because we don't feel like the extra time actually is going to help that much. If you look at a lot of Kickstarters, traditionally most of the funding for any Kickstarter comes in the first week and the last week, and all the time in between is sort of this trough where very little happens. And we want to, so we want to make sure the, so we want to make sure the Kickstarter succeeds, and we want to make sure that the, the people coming and joining us for the Kickstarter share that sense of urgency and don't just put it off and forget about it. 
I can see your uh, point there. Uh, especially since, yeah, it kicks. You know, I, I've definitely seen that uh, in other Kickstarter projects. Mm-hmm. And um, how long do you think it would take to convert uh, uh, Kororankor in love to, you know, this new engine, you know, get, get it up to snuff? Uh, converting the engine, uh, I don't want to give any firm estimates because we'll have to, to double check to be sure. But probably, uh, it'll probably add a couple months, I want to say. Uh, at the base goal level, we plan to have everything ready for release by September. Um, but theoretically, we should still be able to, even with the, the first stretch goals, uh, we should be able to have it out by the end of this year at the latest, I would imagine. Um, if we Obviously, if we get to the point where we're able to do the live 2D animation, that might extend our dates out a little further. Hey, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, as much as I'd love to keep this conversation going, we are running low on time and kind of have to conclude things here. I'll see if there are any last questions from my colleagues. I'm good. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Kickstarter goes. Mm -hmm. We're very excited, too. Yeah. All right, then. All right. um, Once again, John, it was lovely having you on the program. And... uh, the usual post-interview invite um, back on the show, say, May 2nd. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, uh, so the game is uh, A Kiss for the Petals, Maidens of Michael. Not currently on Steam, um, but it is available on Manga Gamer for $34.99, or no, $34.95. Yeah. And it's it'll likely be available on Steam again once we get things sorted out. Well, uh, we'll try to have an update on that uh, next week. Um, see how things play mm-hmm. out, but that is the situation as it is. And uh, Petty Fan, play us to the next segment. So um, this week's topic of discussion is the Nintendo Switch. One year later. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) I don't know. Man is defective as usual. (laughs) 404 error does not compute. Anyway, the title is pretty self-explanatory. March 3rd passed, and that was the official one-year anniversary of the Nintendo Switch. And, you know, by pretty much any metric, the Nintendo Switch had a um, an amazing year. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's like... You it's know, funny, like, funny what happens when you, like, actually put out a decent number of good games in the first year of your new system. Well, it's not just that. It's also, you actually have an idea of how to market your system. Mm-hmm. And you can convey that to the masses. That, that also helps, because, um, you know, when we were going over this on Sunday, writer's room, um, we, like, we talked about the Wii U, and, you know, the abject failure that was the Wii U. 
and you know, one of the biggest problems was um, Nintendo did not know how to market that thing for shit. Well, they did such an amazing job with the original Wii, and then the Wii U was just like, well, I mean, just the way I just said it there, Wii U. <laughs> they basically remarketed. They basically marketed it as the controller, which made people think that the controller might just go with the original Wii. Right, and it's also yeah. so. Who here can actually answer the question? What does the Wii U mean? What did Nintendo mean by Wii U? Uh, I, I believe it, was, it. Sorry, I believe it had a more a greater emphasis on uh, single player. Believe it or not, the Wii for you uh, was the general idea that with the larger screen controller, you could take it to another room and do other stuff on a more private basis, which was kind of counterintuitive to their strategy before. <laughs> Actually, kind of the opposite. Um, it was we as in and you you know like another player joining the because it kind of gets forgotten but nintendo at one point had multiplayer ambitions for the wii u for the gamepad stuff you know like, like they talked about how and the the few games that tried to do this it works fairly well but it's not something that was ever really gone into in much depth and it's not the easiest play style to market well, I mean, aside from Hyrule Warriors, I can't really cite any games where I got super excited about playing with my ex. Well, Hyrule Warriors <laughs> is, is is multiplayer, but it's symmetrical multiplayer. The thing that the Wii U was supposed to try to do was asymmetrical multiplayer. Right. It's like they got a little too cute with the name. So when they should have gone with the the branding Wii Two, T O O, you know, yeah, that something like that. You know, something that would have indicated that, you know, this was a sequel console and not an upgrade. Because people thought it was an upgrade to the original Wii. That goes in with the whole, hey, the controller is the system thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and the design of the box d didn't exactly help dissuade yeah. people from thinking that, considering how similar the two machines looked. Yeah. It yeah. Basically, it can come down to this. Like, uh, um, the Wii U is an abject lesson in how not to market anything honestly like, right I, I can't think of a, a single um you know just in terms of like sales or marketing or advertising like that where nintendo um really succeeded with that console and that really did play into the switch because you know you go back and you look at the original reveal trailer for the thing and nintendo made sure their marketing was on point their name was on point you know everything was clear concise got the points you know, launch titles. Yes. Actually, you know, good ones. <laughs> well, now, now, like uh, Super Mario, new Super Mario Brothers U had its moments. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I nearly bored myself to death thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, unless you've done that final challenge, you can't pull that shit on me. So. <laughs> I, I I do get where he's coming from since yeah the new Super Mario Brothers games are pretty sterile art wise but in terms of actual design they're pretty solid. Oh, oh I yeah. I found the game quite enjoyable. I just didn't feel it to be enough of a departure from New Super Mario Brothers to to well, that's warrant the thing. a whole yeah, new game. It clearly was still the same idea as the other New Super Mario Brothers games. Just you know. I mean, made a little bit more detail than in 3D. 
I mean, if we're being honest here, the Wii U launch blows the Nintendo Switch out of the water. I mean, the Nintendo Wii U had like 20, 25 games at launch. Maybe they weren't. Well, maybe they weren't. You know, the the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, but you know, there was there was a lot of them versus like the six games that launched with the Nintendo Switch. It's right, just... the problem is that the Wii U had a big launch thing and then, like, very little for a, over a right. year. Right. This is, another yeah. thing. This, is the, this is another thing that Nintendo has remedied. They ran into some big software shortages, and it hurt them. In fact, one could say that that's one of the bigger reasons why the Wii U failed, is because they just didn't have anything to offer there, especially in that first year. Yeah, there well, were several months got, that at best we got like a virtual console release. They, they also got very sideways with um, they got very sideways with third-party developers. They they yeah. it was weird that they put so much emphasis on on virtual console and indie developers, and then you know the AAA providers were just like, uh, yeah, if you don't like our hardware, suck it. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually something that they considered because, um, well, like like Bethesda comes to mind because, oh, I think that was John. It was just our gift guest, yes. Like anyway, um, yeah, Bethesda mentioned why they weren't doing Wii U games is because you know Nintendo never included them in the discussion, especially in like the early days, and you right. know by the time that you know. That conversation happened. It was way too late. Right. Whereas, you know, obviously, Bethesda's actually probably the biggest um, third-party supporter uh, of the Western variety. I mean, they not only do they have the Skyrim, they brought Doom. Nobody was expecting, you know, the 2016 Doom to arrive on the Switch. They got Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus coming. So right. they've got some <laughs> real support here. Right. You know, and, yeah, Nintendo's been firing on all cylinders, I'd say, because, uh, you know, going back to the first party lineup, Nintendo's been developing this chain. Like, um, they've been averaging about a title a month, um, going all the way back to launch. I mean, it's not one-to-one. -one. Sometimes they missed a month, or you, you had Mario and Ravage, which is technically a third-party title, mm -hmm. but, you know, mm -hmm. it's... It's an exclusive one, so it still counts. Like, yeah, Mario, just... and Ra Mario and Rabbids isn't going to appear on any other platform. Yeah, so... and that and the, that and, you know, it's like the previous generation, they just, they rushed it to market. They didn't significantly upgrade the hardware. Um, I mean, it was huge for them compared to the original Wii, but it was still kind of junk. Yeah. And it felt cobbled together. The power the PC architecture it was using was god-awful to develop for. Right, and then they had a lack of dev units. Whereas with the Switch, it, it seems like Nintendo got their heads out of, dislodged from their rectums <laughs> and, and was like, okay, let's actually plan this system. I mean, it's like they could have, they could have just shit-canned the Wii U really early, but what they did was they kind of stuck it out Left it left it alive for a while and actually went through a real development cycle to make the switch and that made all the damn difference. It did. Plus well, they plus they partnered with people who know how to um, design hardware. Yeah, because 
This is NVIDIA's system on a chip is the big thing that's running it, and not, right. you know, PowerPC, which is an architecture that hasn't been but, used for shit in almost a decade. Right, and, and this is kind of a return to form for Nintendo, is the fact that this system actually not only has the hardware under the hood, but it has an almost artistic aesthetic to it. Mm. Uh, if, you know, hmm? It's also a fresh artistic aesthetic because um, Nintendo's been using that Apple um, plastic, you know, um, sterile white stuff for about a decade now. Right. Yeah, before the Switch. And yeah. people were actually kind of getting tired of that. Like, he, like um, you know, back in the mid-2000s, that was sleek and chic. Um, uh, in the here and now, that's kind of seen as baby toy stuff. Right. And the, and the other thing is, the other thing is, is I, I feel that Nintendo really put some effort into it. They, they, they kind of brought the fun back to the games, whereas the, the Wii U titles were largely um, gimmicks and holdovers. Felt like they, they could have, they were like more advanced ports of games that should have come out on the Wii. In some many of, cases, some of them. I think the sports series and the party series and a lot of the, those things particularly were not I mean, so great. Bayonetta 2 was amazing, but to me it was almost unplayable because if you're trying to use that god-awful clunky screen controller to play a action title that is as intense as anything that Platinum would put out, you're going to be sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of liked that controller, but I can see I that it was a little large and heavy sometimes. I couldn't even get through the opening cutscene, which is interactive. Although I do usually lean the controller on something, so... It's yeah. like you have an unskippable opening sequence that ends in a boss battle that you you can't win very easily. It would have been better if you just used a Wiimote and Nunchuck with yeah, it, I, and that's not the default. <laughs> I think you can, yeah, I think you can use a Pro Controller, but it's not the default. The de the default controller was that T-Tray. Right. Uh, controller. Yeah, um, I mean... You know, speaking of controllers, Nintendo went with a very odd uh, choice this time around with the Joy-Cons. Like, and I, I think I think it's a pretty good combination of like the the Wii motes with the nunchuck, and you're almost always going to have two of them. Right. And then also they still made the Pro Controller for people. I mean, the uh, separate Joy-Cons I'm not a huge fan of, but at least the idea works better than the Wiimote, sort of, sometimes. Hmm. Right. Though, I can definitely say that they haven't been using the uh, Joy-Cons that are full potential. Uh, like, people kind of forgot that it had an IR camera. Yeah, like... Uh -huh. No, those things have a lot of technology in them, which is why they're so damn expensive. Yeah. yeah. That's part and, of one of the reasons why Labo's coming out. Yeah, Labo is going to be... Um, at the very least, a, an actual justification of all the tech in that um, in those things. And I wouldn't be surprised if Labo was the original intent, but they really couldn't unveil that because they really needed to flush the gimmick out of their system. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. they didn't want to put the R&D behind Labo if the Switch is going to flop like the Wii U did. Not only that, but, you know, the Switch is Nintendo's least gimmicky console since probably the GameCube. Yeah. You know. Uh, now it still I don't has. Know if I'd say it's least less gimmicky, but the gimmicks are practical. Uh, that that's probably a better way of framing it, because you know, lab... I mean, it's certainly not something you just plug into the TV and leave there. Because Nintendo Labo here is is coming out in year two, whereas in uh, just like the previous Wii U generation, this would be something that they would have been targeting for launch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Nintendo's mindset, you know, has been very broad. You know, they've said that uh, they want to broaden the audience of the Nintendo Switch, which is fine. And they have done a much better job of attracting, like, actual mainstream games on this than the Wii U ever really got. Yeah, it's just, and I don't think anyone can deny it, that, you know, Nintendo got fixated on the gimmick, you know, Going back to that uh, controller, that that was a thing nobody asked for and didn't really provide anything new. You know, if you get down to it, the whole second screen gaming was done much better with Nintendo's own DS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, Nintendo's focus for the past year has been on what we call core titles. You know, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Zelda, you know, we got, and we got like a lot of the heavy hitters in year one as well. You know, we, we got Zelda, although that was kind of happenstance. Yeah, like, the Zelda was originally a Wii U game that just got, I mean, they didn't just port it like they kind of did with Twilight Princess to the extent that the GameCube version is debatably better in some ways. Right. But uh, it, it started as a Wii U project that they just trans trans. Trans whatever to the Wii. Transferred was the word I was looking for. Transposed. Transmogrified. Yes. Transmogrified isn't the right word because that means change. I know. I was. I know. I was. I was going Calvin and Hobbes. (laughs) Fair enough. I remember that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, you know, they had um, some ports. You know, uh, they had Mario Kart 8 there, but, um, like, that turned out to be a really good idea. The Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is one of the highest-selling titles on the Switch. Well, it was Surprise. also one of the highest-selling games on the Wii U. Right. It's like I, def- think, I think the Switch is in a somewhat unique position regarding ports in that it is uniquely acceptable or acceptable to a unique degree for it to have ports of Wii U games because the Wii U had a good chunk of really good games on them that just never got an audience because the console never did. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. Um, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, they got cross-generational ports when they started out as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like, people complained about those too. But I'm like, this is a thing that actually always happens between generations. Yeah. Like, because, spoiler just, alert, think, making games this, is expensive. Yeah, I just think this case is, is more justified than most. I get it, I get it. Because um, the Wii U only sold like 13.5 uh, million units. Mm-hmm. There, there isn't much of an audience. 
to piss off. Compared um, to what's the PS4 sitting at? Oh, jeez. Um, hundred something. Not not that high. Not that high. But uh. um, you know, if we if we want to talk about market share, so um, yeah, I just saw a chart that um, pretends that um, Nintendo is probably going to overtake Microsoft this year in terms of market share. I wouldn't doubt it. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the like, one thing that I've been harping on Microsoft's entire generation, there's no reason to buy an Xbox specifically. Yeah, no. it doesn't do much of anything that the PC can't Switch, do. you have Nintendo's core IP. In the PS4, you get most of the great JRPGs. Well, and um, with you also get Sony stuff. I mean, yeah. Sony does put out a lot of games. It's just... Um, um, Sony doesn't have as resident IP as Nintendo. Yeah. But yeah, micro, uh, like Microsoft has the least, it, especially since they got the Xbox Anywhere initiative, where you know you don't even have to have an Xbox to play Xbox games anymore. Yeah, like the only franchise that hasn't leapt, I guess, back to PC is Halo. Everything else has gotten a PC release. There are still some old Xbox One games that haven't made the leap. Well, oh, yeah. You. you know, I'm looking at you, Rare Replay. <laughs> Still mm-hmm. better? Yes. Like, <laughs> Can't blame him. You know, I guess also Sunset Overdrive and maybe the Kinect stuff, but mostly Rare Replay. Well, well uh, seeing how the Kinect is dead and buried, it's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah, but... But it was so. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was the thing that existed. <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> hey, it was one of the world's greatest advances in potential surveillance equipment. Actually, the Connect actually the had some really good uses in, like, the medical field. Um, but that's way beyond the scope of what we're talking about. Hey, Star Wars dance-off, mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> anyway. I still can't cut, believe. Cut I still... rug with Lando Calrissian since he got cut out of the new trilogy. Don't make still... me pull up that gif, please. God, I don't. <laughs> use the I'm Solo Han Solo song for the Han Solo movie trailer. Everyone <laughs> was thinking it. They might as well have done it. <laughs> well, somebody did that. I know. My comment on that video was, this was what everyone was going to be thinking anyway. They should have just done it. Anyway, getting back to the conversation about the Switch. Um, <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> sorry. Well, it's my job to get things back on track, so. Uh, I know that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, well, Nintendo had a lot of heavy hitters. Not just the ports, not just, you know, the big two, but, you know, they brought out Splatoon 2. They brought out a new franchise in ARMS. They had Xenoblade Chronicles 2 actually release on time. Woo! That's a very first for Tetsuya Takahashi. It is. (laughs) And possibly a very last. (laughs) I know. I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles X wasn't delayed that long. It just wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it was Even it was the Xeno good saga. And bad, it wasn't what people were looking for in a xenoblade it, game it was the xeno saga 2 of this franchise <laughs> much. get the fuck out <laughs> yeah. 
now, now. It, it is the one where they made everything weirdly realistic looking. Fetch, it, let's go on fetch quests forever and focus on. I don't know what the fuck we're focusing on. There's a lot to co- there's a lot to look at. <laughs> Plot. Jesus Christ! Why the hell would you want that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, after all of those power ballads with Shulk in the previous game, I I kind of expected coherency, but that was too much to ask for. In this First sequel. game did actually have a lot of fetch quests. It's just they made them so easy they barely register as that. They were they were completely unnecessary. You could beat the whole game in sixty hours. If you right. played it for 250 hours like I did, it was because you were being oddly completionist. <laughs> right. Well, but, and they make they made all of the busy work quests really easy. Right. Eh, it's somewhat debatable. Okay. But... Really, really user friendly, I should say. Oh man, <laughs> you didn't like you have did, to you remember. Didn't, yeah, you didn't try taking down that that level that level seventy Mechanis on the sword. Uh, so you can just fuck right off. On that <laughs> one. All right, <laughs> that, the battle challenges is different. Yeah, that was. The, that I'm was not talking night. about the fights. I'm talking about like the actual mechanics of getting completing and like getting rewarded for quests i mean it's just that that one was super challenging and it was time sensitive and you weren't allowed to go back to it right because you're like (laughs) you're like right up against a a point of no return there well that and spoiler alert the sword collapses and you fall down to the ether (laughs) that that was the point of no return i was talking about yes yeah (laughs) right and um to cap off the fiscal, you know, first year of the Nintendo Switch, they released uh, Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Only an infinitely more playable version. <laughs> I'm like, that's... Uh, I'm like... Well, you can pick what controller you want to use this time. Yeah, it's like, actually, yeah. it seems to be pretty one-to-one for the um, compared to the Wii U version. Like, it, it still runs the same... Um, Though I think it has a better, uh, it's got better frame rate because uh, the Switch is more powerful. Well, and, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, anyone who was uh, expecting um, 1080p docked, uh, that wasn't happening. It's all 720, but here's the thing about ba- the Bayonetta games. Frame rate is so much more important than fidelity. Uh, uh, yeah. And one of the things the Switch is really good at, actually, apparently, is... Uh, scaling the fidelity based on like what's needed at the moment mm-hmm. yeah yeah the the high dyna- um the high dynamic range is mm-hmm. what they call it and, the, and that's a thing that's all over the switch yeah that's one thing the nvidia tegra trip does really really well this is kind of important because we had a game release that um didn't heed what that was and is really fucking terrible and that's payday 2 Payday 2 is, by the way, um, uh, technically speaking, a last-gen game, although it's, you know, PlayStation, you know, it's got a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One version and so on and so forth. But this is a game that stays at 900p no, no matter what. And, get, and performance takes a huge hit. Yeah. Keep in um, mind, the Switch screen is only 720 I'm t- it's do- you know I'm talking docked. But, yeah. But, yeah, but like trying to run at 900p on when it's in handheld mode, that's just dumb, guys. Yeah, it's like it's not the it, it's not the best reinterpretation of a 
you know, of a, let's say, current-gen game on the system. Uh, not, you know, it's like, Doom has its issues. Like, I personally wouldn't buy Doom because it's it cut the frame rate down to 30, but uh, there are some people who swear by that. Yeah, it, it depends well, you know, you on... the stigmatism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as long as it's a stable 30, it's not as bad. Right. But I haven't looked much into it. Like, if, if they did it to 30 for stability, that's fine. But if it can barely even handle 30, then that's a problem. No, I think it was stability. Yeah. You know, it... Now, um... And, yeah... Now, as far as um, continued third-party support, so here's where things get dicey. Uh, you, you're just not going to see a lot of um, AAA titles on the system, no, no matter how successful, because um, there is a power imbalance. Uh, you know, the Switch is just not as powerful as a PlayStation 4. You know... And I know that people will bemoan that, but they kind of forget what the Switch is. The Switch isn't another PlayStation 4. It is a hybrid console, the likes that we've never fucking seen. Yeah, it's be it beats the pants off the PlayStation Vita. Oh, God. Uh, Hell, it yeah. beats the pants off of last gen. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like it's more powerful than the Wii U, mm. um, Xbox 360, or PlayStation 3. So yeah. last gen ports, um, you know, won't be a problem from a power perspective. There would, you know, there might be other issues. I um, I have heard tell it's close to par with the Xbox One when it was system gimped by the Kinect. I could see that. Like it's about as powerful as a system you're gonna get off of a Tegra chip and that kind of form yeah. factor. Now. So, yeah, if you if you're ever going to expect, you know, assa you know the full Assassin's Creed Origins experience on the Nintendo Switch, um, no. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's like you know, insert any big tier game. You're just not going to see that. Yeah, like, it's, like especially the big sandbox games, it doesn't have enough RAM to do it. Yeah, it's like that. You know, that is not to say that you know we we've seen things like NBA 2K18, WWE 2K18, FIFA Soccer 2K 2018. You know, they have made specific versions for the Nintendo Switch, but I don't see that you know happening too often. Well, it's like the sports game will be fine, but the problem with this generation going to be the large sandbox is something that the Switch can't do. It's like, um, but what uh, the Nintendo Switch also can do is, you know, games to service or live services, whatever the hell we're calling it this week. Um, in fact, Nintendo has put out a couple of a uh, couple of uh, games in that mold. It's just, you know, they're they're not marketed that way. Um, uh, Splatoon two and Arms. Mm. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about those is that those are games that, like, it's not monetized as that. 
you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They still ha- they have the same ideas. It's just yeah, Nintendo's not nickel and diming here. Yeah, like does Omni like, even have any like, paid DLC? Easily, I mean, they couldn't have after the first Splatoon. But if another company had made it, Splatoon would have like, oh, you can download new weapons if you pay a little bit. Yeah, all those weapon packs would have been paid. Um. Or you know. if you want new gear, you can get, like, maybe get what you want in a loot box. Mm-hmm. If you want super uh, super sea snails, pay us sure. X number of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, um, so we should be wrapping up this conversation. Yeah. Like, um, Everybody's talking slower, and also doodles. Doodles, you're killing your daddy. Get off my chest! <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> final thoughts on the on the first year of the, the Nintendo Switch. Hope it's not I the last the year. Well, <laughs> I'm, glad it's doing, form. I'm, I'm glad it's doing well. Yep. I wish I had it for the last year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got, I got mine like a month or so in. I haven't had as much time to play it as I wanted to, but. The only thing I'm interested to see in the Switch is usually stuff with, like, mobile components, like, you know, Tegra-based tablets and whatnot. They start to go downhill performance-wise rapidly after the first, like, year and a half. So I do wonder where the launch runs of the Switches are going to be at around that time. Every time somebody brings up the fact that it has a Tegra processor, I think about the Surface RT. And the uh, the Oya, <laughs> <laughs> and and then I think to myself, man, those systems really suck. The Switch is doing it right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just have some like longevity concerns, both with like the battery and the like processor components, because well, those are made for mo- mainly dis- quote unquote disposable electronics. Something that you'd be replacing after two years. I'm just super excited that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 actually has real faces. (laughs) (laughs) And not plastered on stickers. (laughs) Painted painted on mouth flaps that just open and close. (laughs) It was a little disturbing to watch the cutscenes in that game. Oh, man. Right. All right. So that'll about do it for this uh, installment of Fragments of Silicon. Uh, the week ahead. So tomorrow we have a special broadcast happening at uh, five o'clock Eastern because Nintendo announced a Nintendo Direct, and we decided we'd live cover that. Um, who exactly will be here is kind of. Uh, floating about because to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ogre has to record. Um Twilight... I normally have to work. My work is cancelled, but there might be other reasons. <laughs> so work, work work is cancelled on account of disdain. <laughs> Indeed. Like um anyway, uh coming up this Sunday we have two reviews. Um 
first up we have well the game we featured here today um we still have it um hopefully it'll you know whatever issue hit um a kiss for the pedals um mains of michael's will be resolved by sunday no um but we've also got um a game called bolt riley a reggae musical adventure chapter one like oh boy <laughs> yeah it's an adventure game um around centered around reggae and yeah that's about it like it's really really short as the chapter one would imply um more on that on sunday um coming up next week uh, next we do not have a tuesday interview um happening next week um, and on Wednesday, March 14th, um, we'll be welcoming back Dimitri uh, from Bandai Namco um, <laughs> at a special um, starting time, 7 p.m. like Eastern, because um, he, you know, when we do it at like the 9, 9.30, he gets late. And, you know, so um, Max probably not going to be here for this one, unfortunately, but. I have to wear. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially since we're, you know, we're going to be talking about Nino Kuni too. Ah! <laughs> I am excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. So on that note, I wish you good gaming. And of course, I'm. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.